and welcome back to Beauty from the Heart. I'm your host, Rose Gallagher, and in this podcast, I aim to share personal stories and inspiring journeys from people within the beauty industry. Today, I'm so excited for you to meet Trish McAvoy. Trish is a makeup artist with her own incredible beauty line, and to me, she's really special because she has such a unique bond with the people that use her products. Despite having an internationally successful range, Trish really prides herself on personally hosting makeup masterclasses across the world. So when guests arrive, they sit at a desk with a full makeup kit and a mirror in front of them and they watch what she does and they mirror it. And I just love that the lady with her name attached to such a successful brand is still personally the one sharing her expertise. Now, we recorded this a little while ago in case you're wondering why there are a few references to travel during a time that the world is in a lockdown. But here she is, it's Trish McAvoy. This afternoon, we are in the beautiful Harry Hotel in Belgravia, and I'm with the inimitable Trish McAvoy. You've just stepped fresh off the plane and come to see us, Trish. I have. I don't know how fresh, but I am definitely here. And yet we have, you know, a bouncy blow dry and the best makeup we've ever seen in front of us. So please don't stop talking. (laughs) No, well, the thing is, Trish, if anyone knows how to give a compliment, actually, it's you. I think from the moment I first met you, I've always felt very inspired by the way you encourage a woman to change the way she feels about herself and change what her journey is going to look like as a result of that Um, and I know that for you a lot of that stems from a gift of time philosophy so if someone doesn't know how you work or how you like to make a woman feel would you first start by maybe describing what you mean by the gift of time? I think it's so important that everyone women and men take time at the beginning of their day and really think about themselves Mm -hmm. and spend the time in self-care. I think self-care is a way of respecting yourself and being gentle with yourself. And I call that mirror time. And once you've spent a little bit of time just taking care of yourself, taking care of your skin, making yourself feel a lovely version of yourself. You you enter the beauty cascade. And the beauty cascade starts from the inside out. You can wake up in the morning and, and feel one way. And if you take just a little bit of time to reflect on the day ahead, take care of your skin, take care of your hair, apply a little bit of coverage where needed, pick out your clothes that you're going to wear for the day. It truly can be an indicator of how your day will be. And it's really something that you have spread in loads of different ways, that message. Like I first met you at one of your masterclasses many years ago, but so much of what you do involves just building a woman's self-esteem And what impact do you think it has on someone's life when they feel great in themselves? Well, I I know that if you feel great within yourself, then your life is good. Mm -hmm. And I I think self-esteem comes from habits that you have every day. And the habits are habits of taking time for yourself 
exercise, how you eat, how you live, who's around you, mm-hmm. and, and really understanding that each day builds on the next. And how you feel about yourself is how you react to people, how you listen. It, it really has to do with your self-respect. That's one of the things that I love that you really touch on is the importance of listening and that you learn just as much from listening as you do from perhaps sharing. Um, But more on that in a moment. One of the things I noticed when I first met you, so very first time we met was back at a Selfridges PA. It was just a really lovely experience because it's such a different room when you're at a masterclass with you you know there was women there that have bought your makeup for years and loved you and coming to see you and having that time with you and yet with such a large room of women you knew so much about every single one of them you greeted everyone like an old friend everyone had such a personal intimate experience with you um how do you remember each person when you are visiting so many places and seeing so many people all the time I'm very lucky in that I'm visual. I have visual memory. I can see something once and I'll remember it for always. And with people, what I do is I look at body language. And body language would tell you everything about someone that you need to know on the initial meeting. Wow. You can see if they're open. You can see if they're closed. You can see if they're sad. All you have to do is open your eyes. And I think so often people don't open their eyes to the people around them. It's true. We're all, you know, looking on our phones and distracted by things. And it's such a simple thing, but actually it makes so much sense. Very few people realize that everyone has a life that's as important to them as your life is to you. Yeah. And I I think once you really look at the world that way, you become a a little less self-oriented and a little bit more outward-oriented. It's called, you know, growing up too. And I suppose with a journey of growing and coming to learn these things also begs the question of maybe learning a little bit more about your story from the beginning. You have lots of different influences in your background, and I know that... As a child, you traveled a lot. So you were meeting lots of different people from many different walks of life. Um, How did that experience kind of shape the woman that you are now that, of course, is so well used to meeting all of these different people and making everyone feel special and unique in their own way? I think exposure is everything in life. And I was exposed at a very young age to many different types of lifestyles, different customs. So for me, I was comfortable wherever I went with whomever I was with. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I think is so wonderful about travel. You know, if you're lucky enough, as I was as a young person to have traveled a lot, you grow up very comfortable. Is there any one place that really feels like home? Or do you feel like the beauty? New York? New York. Of course. And when you got to New York at first, Mm. was there anything about the spirit of New York that just made you think, this is where I feel really comfortable, this is home? Of course. Um, Directness. Mm -hmm. New Yorkers are very direct. Um, The ability to be um, 
very focused because everyone is focused. I love the competition. I love the, I mean, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. It, and it's, it is and it was the most fascinating place I've ever been. And, you know, it's funny you should say that, Trish, actually, about the directness, because something I think that I could say about you is you are very direct, but you're also very kind. That's something I think is what resonates with people and how they come back to you time and time again, because they know that they'll get that genuine big cuddle the minute they come to a masterclass, might not have seen you for a year or two years or however long, and they get in that big warm embrace again. Um, and they also get, you've got to blend a little more. <laughs> they do get that. You know, they get the warm embrace. And then but, they also get, honey, but, a little bit more blending on the cheeks would be very good. And that's cruel to be kind as well. Because equally, if I was walking around with lipstick on my teeth and someone see, didn't tell I, me, I'd be quite cross about see, that. I think directness with humor I think so often people speak about kindness, and I think you should always come from a place that you mean well for the mm -hmm. other person. But I think humor makes it much easier to take the directness. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about, Trish, is I know that you're a, a believer in fate, which is something that I'm a big believer in as well. Um and I'd love to just briefly touch on how you entered the makeup world. I mean, I know that your story is so well known and I've seen a number of interviews and things that you've done with people already. You did the lovely in the bathroom with Sally, which was one of my favourite so things sweet, I've seen yeah. you do. Um, you two had such a lovely, so lovely report. Exactly. It was such a lovely thing to, to see. Um, but in terms of your kind of experience with fate, this was one of the stories you mentioned that it was a time when you were ready for a career change and you found that the perfect opportunity came to you and this kind of kicked off your foray into makeup. So would you tell us a little bit about what happened there? Well, I grew up in makeup. My grandmother owned perfumeries. I was always around it. As a teenager, I was the one that everybody went to. I started my career very young, where others were thinking about what they were going to do with their lives. I always knew. And I started behind a cosmetic counter. And I, within a year, was brought to New York. I worked for Estee Lauder. Oh, lovely. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was Estee Lauder. Mm -hmm. It was Estee Lauder. And um, I did local television, radio, and I was very, very fortunate. I gave a lot of classes to people, and I, I was, it was a very junior position. don't want to make this bigger than it was. And I would visit stores, and then um, I worked for Revlon. I worked for Frank Shields in product development, and he is Book Shields' dad. Oh. And we were the group a very small handful of us that split Revlon from Ultima 2. And that's how Ultima 2 was, you know, eventually the line of the 80s. Oh, wow. And then I had a tragedy. And um, my brother passed. And I realized that life is very short. Yeah. And you never know because my brother was 12 when he passed. And um, I didn't work for a while. And one day... I happened upon a drugstore where they serve 
hamburgers and um, french fries. <laughs> and in the back of this hamburger and french fry place, um, they had makeup. But most fascinating to me was who was in this place. The most chic women, the most um, innovative, creative people were there. Jackie Kennedy even came in. And, no. uh, mm -hmm. and I was looking at this fascinating hamburger makeup place, and um, I, I was taken, and I was speaking with someone behind the counter, and she asked about my background. I said, well, product development, your makeup artistry, teaching. And she said, why don't you work here? I said, okay, but only... Um, a few hours a day because I do photo shoots at night and um, I can't sell makeup. I have to teach it. She said, fine. And within a very, very short period of time, I'd say less than a month, I mean, you couldn't get an appointment with me. It was just, I knew what they had and I just grabbed it. It was so exciting. And the women and the men, I mean, oh, it was amazing. And I knew what I could do with this. Yeah. I knew that I could grow it. So I went into the manager's office and I said, I can really do something. With the little background I have, I have enough that I know I can take this and bring it to a whole new level. I need more money and I'm willing to do it. And they said no and no. And it was a day that was life-changing for me. Never did I think when I woke up that morning that I would totally change my life. And I started my business. I incorporated like very shortly thereafter. And um, I did makeup out of my apartment. I rented a space about a block away. And I started doing skincare in my husband's office and did photo shoots at night. I, I've always had a lot of energy. And um, we did a lot of house parties. So direct to consumer. My business really started with direct to consumer. Then you know, came time to have art and commerce. So what was I going to use as the commerce end? And that, of course, was my makeup brushes. And that actually was exactly the thing I was going to come on to because one of the things I think is so great about you, Trish, and why I really wanted to talk to you in this particular collection of interviews, it's that it's all about people that overcome adversities. And I think you're such a positive person. And in that instant where you've gone in and said, I'd like this to happen, and they've said no, you've just worked your way around it. And that's something that you've done in lots of different realms, including the brushes. I, I think it, I don't look at it like adversity so much. I look at it more as you give up or you move forward. And I'm not someone that ever gives up. And I think that's more it than anything else, is so many people give up. Something happens to them, and they give up. And I believe we're here for such a short period of time. Honey, I am not giving up. <laughs> you know. And if you don't give up, anyone can do anything. There's always a resolution. There's always an answer. Maybe there isn't even a resolution. But guess what? Another door opens. Sometimes there doesn't have to be a resolution. Sometimes, next. And there it is. And so putting all of that back into that next part of the journey, 
I know that with your makeup brushes, they were obviously pivotal to what you wanted to create because as you said there earlier on, you've always been focused on teaching someone to do their makeup as opposed to just selling the makeup. And um, I know that you just weren't getting the results with the little sponges and fiddly things that came with makeup. I mean... You know, fingers and sponge applicators and all that, they're they're important tools. I'm not going to take away from that those tools are also important, and we still use them today. But you also need brushes that feel good. And there were brushes on the market, but they were um, low quality. And what we did is we really went to one of the best brush manufacturers and we had these brushes hand designed and with the highest quality of hair. And when you use them, you felt wonderful. Yeah. And the application was easier. And again, it's timing in life. And I, I think if you were to ask anybody at the beginning of the 80s, you know, where they went for brushes, they would say, sure, Mora. Yeah. And us. And I had every every top makeup artist in the world come through my doors to buy brushes. And I know actually you've been really vocal about other makeup artists and that there was that real sense of camaraderie and support amongst you all and you're always the first to still support other makeup artists. I feel you walk down the street, how many people do you see? There are thousands. You know, there's more than enough for everybody. Yeah. And, and I think the more one creates a community and everybody's there for each other it feels good my big thing in life if it's being direct even if people may not care for it at times I want to feel good about myself yeah and if if I am happy for someone else then I feel good about myself and in the makeup artistry world I mean I just think it's such a wonderful wonderful place with more talent than ever. I just think it's amazing how far the makeup community has come since I started in it. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, when it when we started, it was Laura Mercier, Bobby Brown, myself, and really not many others. And it's amazing that um, your three names that are still so synonymous with helping women today. Well, we were the original, you know, the original <laughs> group. Well, no, maybe we weren't. Maybe it was Helena Rubinstein and Elizabeth Arden. And, you know, there were so many women before us too. It's funny though, Trish, isn't it? With the artistry background, you're talking to people all the time. And I think it's fair to say that as a makeup artist, you do kind of adapt your style a lot because people don't just come and sit down and say, hello, Trish, I want a smoky eye and a nice red lip. They open up to you about so much more than just the makeup that day, don't they? What other profession other than massage does someone touch you? Makeup is highly personal. Yeah. So, you know, you're touching someone's face. I mean, yeah. Uh, and unless you're having a massage or the person's your lover, who else touches your face? Yeah. Think it's about true. it. Maybe your mother. It's very, very personal. So when you have that type of intimacy, people open up. They do. And it's something that enables you to get a grasp on people's needs as well, both from a personal perspective and from kind of a, a product perspective or whatever it might be. I know that that's one thing that you really love doing is just finding the solutions of 
making someone's life a little bit easier, a little bit better. And one of your most iconic products, there was a particular moment on holiday when your husband looked at all of your makeup laid out and said, come on, there's got to be a better way than this. And that was a thought that inspired what has come to be kind of one of the icons. So could you tell us a little bit about what happened there? Oh, sure. I, I've always loved makeup. I like carrying it. I like buying it. I, I, I just love makeup. And um, the time that we were on vacation was no different. And I had literally so much on the sink. He's like, there has to be a better way. And it didn't happen overnight. But at that time, I was using a Filofax. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a Filofax is because you have your iPhones, etc., <laughs> is Filofax was a organizational system where you really were able to organize your notes in a way that made it very easy. Yeah. And um, when I came back from that vacation and I reviewed with my team, we just talked it through and we then came up with this Filofax idea, which evolved into the makeup planner. It's so... Um, practical, right? It's so practical and it's so synonymous now with Our everything brand. about mm-hmm. the brand. Mm-hmm. You know, we were laughing earlier on. We've got Jay sat with us here as well. Jay always tells me that you are the lightest traveller and that you will come with the tiniest bag. The heaviest part of what I carry is my makeup. Really? For sure. It's one of the funniest things, Trish. I love that whenever I see you, I feel like I get a new little nugget or story that I didn't know before. One of the other stories that I love is the the debate about the Bergdorf Goodman Beauty Hall and where you would sit. Because actually, I think if anyone was to visit any of the key locations, if we think of, if we're thinking of, you know, London at the moment while you're here, we think of Liberty, we think of Selfridges, you are a wowzer moment in any beauty hall right in prime location. And that's no accident, is it? Well, I, I think in life, you have to know what's important. Mm-hmm. Your product has to be good. How the consumer feels when she comes to you has to feel comfortable. And she has to be able to find you easily. So I had the very good fortune of having taken care of Don Mello for years. Don Mello was the grand dame of fashion and the grand dame of Bergdorf Goodman. And she suggested that I go into Bergdorf. And um, I was beyond excited, to say the least. And my husband and I, we worked on the packaging with experts. I mean, it was amazing. I was on the cover of Women's Wear Daily. It it was so beyond. And then it came time for space and location, where my home would be. And um, Don, at this point, had handed me off to other people. And I just knew. In life, you only have one beginning with someone. You have one first impression. Mm -hmm. And that first impression is everything. And when you open and your first impression isn't a strong impression, it's going to be a much more difficult journey. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in walk away sooner than later. So... I walked away from Bergdorf Goodman because I knew the space and location would never work. And I would have done very well there, but I would have 
had to take many, many years for that success. It was so off the beaten track. So I waited literally two, three years, and a little tiny article came out on me. And at that time, I had been booked about a year in advance. And with this little article, it was just, <laughs> I, I couldn't handle the flow of people that wanted to see us. So I went to Ed Burstell at Bendel's. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you know, of course we want you. And he gave me a great location. And the first year, we did over a million dollars. And within that year, Nordstrom, Saks Fifth Avenue, and all the stores came because they wanted to carry the line. Why? Yeah, you've got to wait for the right one. Because the right one is life-changing. And Bendel's was life-changing. And Ed Bristol's book, he speaks about that. Really? He looked at our numbers for a day, and it was what he had expected for a month. And see, this is why I really wanted to talk to you in particular, Trish. I think that you have so many powerful philosophies attached to business, but also that you can see just span every element of your life. And I know that someone listening will get a great deal of comfort or motivation or just even that moment of resonating with you from listening to you. You spend so much time and invest so much time into building people up. So what do you do to build yourself up so that you're in that position to give that love to everyone else? I think the most important thing that I do is reflect. Mm hmm and try to improve and to understand when I'm wrong, you know, and how am I going to turn this around? I've learned to not react so quickly, to really um, take my time with things okay. and, and then make the decisions that need to be made. Okay. And to take the emotion out of a situation if um, someone's conducting themselves in a way that you feel uncomfortable, just move yourself out of the room for a minute or two, pull yourself together, then go back in. Because what it does, it breaks that momentum. On the other hand, there are times where you have to be very um, strong. And when you have to be strong, you have to be strong. Because yeah. if you want to feel good, you have to respect yourself. That's it. Yeah, not so easy. <laughs> Sounds really easy, but, you know. And um, is there someone maybe a brand or a person or a movement in the beauty space that you think is inspiring positive change? I think all of the indie brands, mm -hmm. and believe it or not, we're still an indie brand as well, um, have changed the rhythm of the indie makeup space. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel that the traditional brands are very, very important as well because the traditional brands are about longevity. And you, you really need the ability to be a long-term player and to not get stagnant. And there's so many very bright, bright, bright young people that are getting into the arena now. I mean, I just hired a few people and I'm just like, oh my goodness, these young girls are just so smart. And then there are the old timers that come with experience. And if you're lucky to find the old timers with experience and the willingness to help the men and women around them, 
it's golden. I mean, we are in the empowering business. Mm-hmm. And makeup and beauty used to be about a cream and a lip color. Now it's about, you know, being able to really improve your quality of life through how you treat yourself. And self-care is so important. And that translates to everyone. Everyone wants to feel good. Yeah. Everyone wants to feel better. I remember Harvey Nichols when we first went in, and this is only 20 years ago. We were a shock because we would say hello to a consumer and have her come to our counter. You, you didn't do that. And then we did makeup at the counter. You really didn't do that. I mean, I can still have done Yellow Rinaldi saying, oh, my goodness, I don't know if this is going to work. And what did she do? She totally broke the ceiling with what she did at Harvey Nichols. Hair being done publicly, nails being done publicly, people just looking at beauty with the curtain pulled back. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. You don't have to be hidden in a room anymore. It's like, yeah, this is what I do. Enjoy it. Well, Trish, I have thoroughly enjoyed having you. Well, I so, um, you know, you are someone I so admire. Well, what what can we do to keep up with you? Where can we find you, Trish? Everywhere, Where do we? Everywhere. You can find me everywhere. You can find me within yourself. And you can find me saying to you, everything gets better. Stay strong. Stay positive. And um, in London, you can visit us at... Fabulous Harvey Nichols, Selfridges, and Cozy Magnificent Liberty. Lovely. Well, I hope you have a lovely visit in London. I love London. You love London, I don't you? I love London. I just wish it wouldn't rain. I mean, I have high-maintenance hair, well, and it is not the place for high-maintenance hair. Oh, well, my goodness. Well, you don't need to tell me about the high-maintenance oh. hair, because you've got better hair than any of us, and you've I, just stepped well, off that's a plane. Only, but that's only because I keep fiddling with it. <laughs> The rest of you aren't fiddling as much as I am. Trish, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave a review and subscribe if you enjoyed it. Or even better, just tell a friend that you think would love to listen. Um, And I love hearing from you. So message me at Rose Gallagher if you want to say hello. Have a lovely day and I'll speak to you next time.